Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hey, this is Adam and Ben with a special message for you. I think first of all, we just want to thank everyone for all of the nice reviews we've received uh, over the last week, especially. But uh, something was brought to our attention, Ben, and I think uh, I think you're the best person to address it. I'm very upset about this, Adam. Uh, some person has gone on iTunes and left a review that takes exception to our usage of the term moose knuckle in Ugh. the episode about the Edo in which Wesley is running around with the kids and uh, falls into the flower patch and is put to, is nearly put to death over it. Let me read to you the message, Ben, that we uh, got on our iTunes review. Subject line, Moose Knuckle, one star, <laughs> by Jimbo925. Hey, Beavis and Butthead, Moose Knuckle is used for a woman's private parts, not a man's. Think about it. I really don't uh, agree with that. I think that if anything, Moose Knuckle refers to any situation in which pants are bunched up around genitalia in an amusing way. <laughs> and uh, if you go on Urban Dictionary, I feel like that corroborates what I feel about the term. I mean, yeah, you actually have an Urban Dictionary account. Like, you're, you actually have to log into Urban Dictionary. That's how into it you are. I just feel like this is a huge miscarriage of justice. And if I just don't think that we should have to suffer this one-star review because some idiot doesn't, doesn't like our usage of the term moose knuckle. <laughs> In many ways, it's my favorite review we've ever gotten, but I don't yeah. like that it's only one star. And I, the only way I can see to uh, claw back at some justice for us is if everybody listening right now goes to iTunes and leaves a nice five-star review to bury this, essentially. Yeah, let's hold it underwater until the bubbles stop. Yeah, and go ahead and go find that review, and uh, it asks if the review was helpful. Click no, and report a concern. <laughs> if anybody is uh, is rocking Nuck, it's this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so let's get this thing wiped off the page. I think it's a bunch of bullcrap. Do the right thing, listener. Go to iTunes, help the greatest generation write this horrible, horrible wrong. All right, we'll get you back to the show now. Thanks, guys. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a podcast by a couple of people who are a bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm, uh... Recording this episode from across the country today, uh, I uh, I took all of my podcast crap on an airplane so that I could sit in the back of my uh, mother and father-in-law's house and record a Star Trek podcast. Boy, they must be so happy to have you in the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> Did you have to tell them everything? Well, yeah, because yesterday I was I was trying to watch the episode that we're uh, discussing today, and uh, I couldn't figure out how to get Netflix going and the TV in their living room. Oh, no. <laughs> so I wound up having to watch it on the TV in their master bedroom. <laughs> and every, everybody was, like, coming home and, like, wanting to, like, put their stuff down. And, and I was like, oh, I'm just in here doing something terribly embarrassing. <laughs> and the only place I can do it is my parents-in-law's bedroom. 
<laughs> it's the only place I can feel anything. It was so bad. Wow. Oh, oh my God. That's awful. And now their Netflix is totally fucked because uh, you've made it known to the Netflix company that... Uh, that your parents, yeah, yeah. Th- their algorithms are going to be out of whack. Now they're gonna they're gonna get recommended a whole bunch of old Stargate episodes and <laughs> all that crap. You might be interested in watching Babylon Five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those four people. No Netflix. Nobody is interested in that. How long are you there? Uh, I'm I'm pleased that you're on the West Coast. We I mean we aren't we have never recorded an episode of this together in the same room. Yeah, I, I mean I'm here for a week. Um, so the reason I ask is you're going to be going to that bedroom quite a bit to watch more episodes, aren't you? Not if I can avoid it. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe the next episode we'll see. <laughs> have you noticed the parents are doing a lot more laundry after you go in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. This is uh, episode 15, 11001001 is the title of it. Uh, I think I read in the Wikipedia article that it was like a different string of ones and zeros originally as scripted, and it changed at some point. That doesn't surprise me. But I was like, and I was like, why? Who cares? Like, is this supposed to be meaningful? I guess it's probably binary for something. But <laughs> When I was also doing my research on the episode, I typed in TNG and then jogged my fingers on the one and the zero a bunch of times <laughs> just to have, it, to have it autocorrect in the Google field. I found my way there eventually. That is, that is, uh, that's pretty prime Google. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this this episode was awesome because I think this was the first time we see a starbase, right? So the uh, the episode starts with uh, the Enterprise pulling in to base, pulling into the garage, right? Yeah, and uh, and I love this stuff. I I pulled my I I called my wife into the <laughs> master bedroom and said, "Get a load of this." This is like when I was like eleven. This stuff made my head fly off she off was my probably neck. so disappointed to hear you calling from the bedroom saying you got to get a load of this and then honey and then it's you sitting indian style on the edge of the bed uh watching old star trek yeah. episodes probably the most benign thing i've ever called her into a bedroom to get a load of right hey so who knows maybe she felt like bullet dodged <laughs> oh in so many ways so uh so the captain is recording a captain's log as as the ship's pulling in and he is like, Yeah, uh we're we're returning the Starbase for a little bit of a retrofit. We've had some issues with the holodecks recently, but I anticipate a glowing report. The ship has performed magnificently beyond anyone's expectations. Which is hilarious because I think we both know uh, there's been a bunch of shipwide problems throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, not the least of which is the door lock issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't mention that as one of the refits that they're that they're in for, but I think I think whenever you go to the auto shop, that's going to be something that you bring up with the tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> so, so they pull into the garage and uh, and we get introduced to a new alien species. Uh, and they are the binars, and these are uh, these are little pink things. Yeah, uh, who, are, who are walking around with some Sony Walkman devices. They look sort of like the gymnasts of the Angel One planet in size. They're little. They're little tiny things. Yeah, 
but they're but they're also androgynous. Right. Yeah, Riker at some point says like, "Who are these gentlemen?" and and is kind of quickly scolded by the Starbase commander. Are these gentlemen the binars? They're not gentlemen. Or ladies, commander. That scene is great to me because uh, Riker is like a like a guy at a bar casually asking a girl if there's a man in the picture. Like, uh, so you going home to your husband or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. like he can't outwardly ask. Is there a Mister Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> he can't actually ask. Like, so is there a Mister uh, Zero One in the picture for you? Like, he's, he's got to just sort of. Uh, subtly drop that in so he's got to be pretty disappointed at that point yeah there's also a pretty funny scene pretty early in this episode where uh where raker uh wanders into the observation lounge and data is working on a painting while Jordy stands next to him and uh riker's just like this is fucking hilarious a blind man teaching an android how to paint fuck you and then like walks out and they look so insulted. You can see Jordy is super pissed. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, why did they write in this scene where Riker is just a complete dick to the second officer and the helmsman for no reason? I feel like LeVar Burton went back to his time shooting the movie Roots to like really draw <laughs> inspiration for his just utter disgust for what Riker said. Like... <laughs> It looked like he'd he yeah. been hit in the face. Yeah. Not many of the crews left aboard. They've all kind of gone onto the star base, and Riker and Captain Picard and just the the skeleton are all kind of like engaging in some in some leisure activities. And uh, you know, of course, Riker is going to go check out the holodeck. Uh, if uh, if he has some time off, it's like when the parents leave leave the house, you know, to a teenager. All of a sudden, like, holy shit! I, I yeah. I've got all this beer. I've got I've got the parents' <laughs> liquor cabinet, and uh, right, and I have all this time to masturbate. Right. Yeah. The the odds of somebody walking in on me while I'm in the holodeck have dropped through the floor, and. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. But he gets down to the holodeck, and there are a couple of binars working uh, outside it. And so he has to call up a program under observation uh, <laughs> by strangers, which uh, I feel like really limits the kind of creative license that he would otherwise take. You can see him, like, sort of searching his brain, like, improvisationally, like, uh, uh, New Orleans, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, jazz, yeah, jazz so club, he... J- jazz club, yeah, yeah. jazz club. Uh, <laughs> that seems in, in, innocuous yeah. enough. So, so he calls up a jazz club, calls up an audience, and and a and a and a combo up on stage with a trombone for himself, or his, he calls it. Piano, bass, and drums, and a bone for me. The computer's <laughs> got to be so confused at that request in that moment. Like, yeah. <laughs> contextual error, please re request. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, they had to cut this for, for syndication, but originally a huge dildo is, uh, materializes on stage, and he goes, No, 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 I'm not that kind of bone. <laughs> I'll be providing the bone around here. Now I'll need someone to play with. He doesn't want it to be crowded, so he has the computer dial it back so that there's just one super hot blonde babe in a red dress. And then he says, uh, blondes and jazz seldom go together. So the blonde he, I guess he's not uh, wrong about disappears. 
and and a red head appears at a different table. He's uh pretty pleased with that, but decides to dial it into a more sultry woman. My name is Minuet, and I love all jazz except Dixieland. Why not Dixieland? You can't dance to it. My girl. Boy, is she easy on the eyes. He could have just told the computer, I want a girl that looks like one of the mobster's wives from Goodfellas. And mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and could have saved himself a bunch of the request time there. Because while she yeah. is very easy on the eyes, she is very clearly like mobster's wife to me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, all of these women that appear uh, are just like, you know, big hair kind of... You know, we, they, we've they, talked about they it before. This is '80s hot. I don't know what we expected, yeah. but but they're very '80s hot. Yeah, we should go easier on these ladies. Yeah, we're really beating them up. Yeah, well, uh, there's a there's a lot of fun classic sleazeball pickup lines and recontextualize them for the 24th century. <laughs> like, what's a knockout like you doing in a computer generated gin joint like this? Waiting for you. And through through the whole episode, uh, Riker's infatuation with minuet constantly gets kind of broken and and then he'll talk about her as though she's not there like yeah uh, like boy she's really like terrifically sophisticated as a simulation yeah and he and he and picard do that quite a bit they like talk right they basically talk over her head in the middle of a conversation i don't know it it feels rude to me it's the same way they occasionally talk about data in the data lore episode yeah it's the kind of condescension that, like, I feel like was, like, much more normalized in the '80s. Like, if uh, if you're, uh, you know, talking about a woman or a person of color in uh, <laughs> in almost any context in the '80s, it wasn't considered like that offensive to be just casually condescending about them. Yeah, we've we've come so far in our society uh, in terms of of how we condescend. Certainly. Yeah. We're, we're much subtler. <laughs> you won't even know it. It is a guiding principle of a soft baby face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up on the truth? You don't deserve to wear that uniform. Eventually, Riker is in the holodeck smooching it, out, smooching it out with Minuet, and Picard wanders into the holodeck. You can't be serious. And uh, is also quite taken with her because she greets him. In French, and that's all all it takes to get to Picard's heart. Picard makes that that key mistake of walking into one of Riker's holodeck simulations unannounced. Right. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for these people to to learn not to do that. But uh, but Picard shows up right at the moment where uh, where they're they're sharing a warm embrace and a makeout sesh. And so they're like, uh, "Oh, let's let's have a drink instead." Hello, Captain. Yeah. And they start they start doing the banter over Minuet's head. Like uh, Picard and Minuet will will have a conversation in French, and then Picard will break into English and be like, "Dude, Riker, this thing is amazing. Yeah. I can't believe I can't believe how sophisticated it is." Yeah. And Riker, Riker will talk over her head like, "Yeah, I know. Like, look at her look at her hot bod and and listen to <laughs> to how." Listen to how uh, smart she is. Like, it's amazing. So they're in the holodeck, and they're having this conversation, and meanwhile, shit is going down just outside the door. Yeah. Things are getting tense. 
turns out the Biners uh, have set up a a situation where there's a warp core breach imminent. If the antimatter is released, the ship will be destroyed. And Jordy figures this out through, you know, the computer warning. The computer's like, hey. Estimate release of antimatter in four minutes, 18 seconds. 17 seconds. Yeah, and so Data is like, based on all of the available information, like, like the ship is going to explode. It's going to blow up the ship. And not only that, it's going to blow up the star base that the ship is docked in. So... We need to set it to automatically like warp out of the system and get a safe distance away. And they yeah, order makes a lot a, of sense. They order a, an abandoned ship. Yeah, uh, Data does that thing where he gets on the intercom and says, "Abandoned ship. This is not a drill." Right. That was a fun scene. Yeah. They recycled the scene with John Cho wearing uh, wearing the skirt, though. Did you notice that? I did notice that there are a bunch of shots that they they definitely shot for the generally human episode with uh, the traveler, and we find out that Wesley is Mozart, but for warp. Uh, right. All of all of those shots of people walking around the ship, uh, like listening to uh, an order to abandoned ship, were were shot like several several episodes ago. It's a bunch of the same actors and everything. Sure. So you see people scrambling around. Uh, kids trying to keep up with parents. Yeah, uh, they're all trying to get to transporter rooms or uh, right. or to the tunnels leading to the starbase. Uh, Data and Jordy get back to to the starbase, and they're like, "Where's Where's Captain Picard? Where's Riker?" And they're like, "Well, we thought thought he was was, was with you. Yeah, uh, where is he?" <laughs> they and they soon come to realize that uh, that Riker and Picard are still on the ship, but there's no time to go look for him. Like. Well, right. I guess they're fucked. Like, we got to get the ship out of here before it kills us all. So, well, yeah. And this is all ahead of a pretty neat sequence where they very sadly, you know, hit the button that backs the Enterprise out. And uh, the Enterprise goes to warp away from the Starbase. And they think that they've, they've uh, saved the situation. My love is a peep of longing tail for that which longer You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? 
Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So, you know, Picard and, and Riker start to realize that Minuet is not going to bang them. She is just stalling. And uh, Riker's like, what are we here for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what good is this relationship? He kind of devolves into Dirk at the end of Boogie Nights. He's like, <laughs> it's my big dick. Somebody get ready to fuck it now. <laughs> this, uh, this holodeck program is broken. I thought this was an upgrade. Yeah. Um, and they they walk, walk out and realize that the ship is on red alert. But like in the control room on the star base, you know, the senior staff are all like, dang, like, you know, who didn't also get off the ship was those binars. So they must be involved in this somehow. But they can't they can't find any ships that are, you know, fast enough and near enough to go hunt down the Enterprise and see what what's actually going on. Yeah. And that was a brutal piece of information. Like you've got the Starship Garage set up. Yeah. where ostensibly there's a bunch of ships that are going to be in it, and none of them are able to go chase down a, a ship that gets stolen. I got to believe that that changes, that changes the rules from, from here on out. Like, you, you're going to want to have a ship ready to go at all times right. if you're a Something's, star base. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, is going uh, to really shake the Federation to its core in terms of starship policy. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the third Star Trek movie in a long time, but when they steal the Enterprise, there's another ship available to chase them down. Like, yeah, 
Like I think that this is the same starbase that they steal that Enterprise from too. <laughs> Will they ever learn? <laughs> yeah. Come on, was... Starbase seventy four. <laughs> yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Another wackadoodle uh, starship caper on Starbase seventy four. Yeah. Uh, so they look around, and not only not only are Riker and Picard gone, but the Biners are gone too. So that's when they start to put it together, right? Yeah. At least from from the Starbase's angle, they figure it out on that end. On the ship's angle, uh, when Riker and Picard realize that they're not going to have sex on the holodeck, and and Minuet's acting all weird, trying to keep them behind, then they're like, "Okay, uh, yeah. we got to get out of here." We they open up the door. They open up the door to basically all the sirens on the ship going off in their right. faces. And they uh, they discover that the ship has been abandoned and, the, you know, the computer tells them that there was a warp core breach and that it was somehow stopped but doesn't provide any clarity on that. And uh, so... They had the good sense in this episode not to actually play back the scenes on a screen for them to watch. <laughs> they just, they ask the computer some simple questions and the computer answers and then we get the news that we need. I think, I think that's good practice. That's good show. Yeah, that's good show. So they head down to engineering pretty much straight away. Captain Picard says like, listen, we don't know what's going on. We don't know who's stolen the ship yet. And uh, this is the flagship of the Federation's Starfleet. We're not uh, we're not going to allow for the possibility that they might be doing something innocuous. We're going to set this shit to self-destruct and then see what's going on. So they go down to engineering, and it turns out setting self-destruct is uh, much easier than I remembered. I thought that they were going to have to like put in a bunch of codes and stuff, but it's literally like they stand on either side of the engineering console and Picard says, set the ship to self-destruct. And the computer asks Riker if he's down with that. And he's like, yep. And, and then and that's it. They don't have to put in Omega-01. It's easier to launch nuclear missiles in Crimson Tide than it is to to destroy a starship in the future. Yeah. They've, they've got to do those codes later on. I, I remembered it differently, too. I was full-on expecting, like... I distinctly remember there being codes. Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't have happened. edited them out, could they? No. That'd be a weird choice. There's plenty more that they should have edited out than that. Darmok, Angela, and Tanaga. Darmok, Angela, and Tanaga. There's a shot where 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 Riker asks the asks the computer what the ship's position and heading is, and it just gives out a string of like three or four six digit numbers, as though that's interesting at all. <laughs> Riker does that eye twitch to this information like yeah I know where we are yeah yeah give me a break nobody that like in 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 a potential amount of space as large as a galaxy like that there's no way that that's actually illuminating for anyone yeah what they should have illuminated I thought was the weapons room that they only show the exterior of right like one of their big uh crescendos to commercial was like we got to get the ship back will at any cost. And then they go into what we find out is a weapons room. The only reason we know this is because there's a sign on the outside that says weapons room. Yeah, camera pans over to the sign instead of showing the inside of the weapons room. And then after the commercial break, we come out and they are, they're holding dustbuster phasers and that's all we get to see of it. I want to see what's in the inside of the weapons room. <laughs> I know. There's got to be so many cool things in there. Uh, that's a real missed opportunity. Yeah. 
it's a it's a real uh it's a real cost savings on the budget though uh, yeah so we should talk about these binars they are they're little diminutive aliens and they they come they always come in pairs we only see two pairs of them uh in this show but they're they're like joined at the hip and they wear kind of each one wears an outfit that is sort of symmetrical with the with its partners and they uh when they're talking to each other they're making these like like really high speed little digital sounding noises would you like to try the enhancement this is all because they are heavily linked into each other via computer networks so uh so what we come to understand is that they have been loading just scads and scads of information into the Enterprise's computer banks uh, as as the Enterprise warps toward their home planet. And uh, when when Picard and Riker make it onto the bridge, the uh, let's talk about their plan to retake the ship for a second. Okay, yeah. So they go to the weapons room. They they get their dustbusters and they're like. They get on a turbo lift, and the turbo lift's like, nah, nah, uh, it's yeah. locked. You can't, you can't get on the bridge. Try again. And they're like, okay, plan B is we beam onto the bridge and take them by force. And Picard's like, well, uh, one of us is probably going to get killed in the process, so maybe we should beam to opposite ends. Right. <laughs> and uh, and good luck. And that's like the time between when that plan is hatched to when they beam onto the bridge is maybe 15 seconds. It's a breathtaking amount of time. I'd say that's generous. <laughs> and what's great is when they finally beam onto the bridge, uh, Riker's Riker beams onto the, the upper part and Picard beams onto the lower part. But Riker's, Riker's beamed on with his back turned to anything that might be useful that he might see. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you got to have a better plan than that if you're beaming onto the bridge. Right. You could you could beam up their crouch down, right? Yeah. There are a couple of times in the series where they like know that they're beaming into hostile territory and they'll get on the transporter pad all facing out with their phasers drawn, which seems like pretty good, right? Like Yeah. No matter which no matter which way the attack comes from, one of us is going to be facing it and and, you know, pointing a phaser at it. And they do not that. <laughs> yeah. For this for this moment. But uh, they get onto the bridge, and um, these binars are passed out, all kind of all kind of pyramided up against each other uh, on the floor, and they're just kind of barely conscious enough to to ask for help. So Riker and Picard discover all this data in the computer and start to realize that it's got something to do with the binar homeworld which uh, on which everything is turned off like all of the central computing stuff all of their equipment is turned off which is causing the entire society to die because they're so dependent on their on their computers so they realize that they don't really know enough about how to restart the binars computers but Perhaps someone does. Yeah, they have a real clear moment there where they're like, oh, so this is why you don't patch an entire world into a computer system. Like, the Biner's dependency on their computer is their undoing. Like, this is this right. is the warning that we're meant as a viewer to, to take, to take mm-hmm. heed of. And I feel like, 
1987, they had no idea just how much worse society would get in terms of computer dependency. So I thought that was yeah. interesting. Like, like they sort of uh, accidentally saw it coming. Yeah. Uh, in real life. Totally. So they're like, well, we got to figure out what we need to do now. We aren't smart enough to decode what, uh, what the binders are wanting us to do. They go back into the holodeck and ask Minuet. I don't know. I don't have those answers. And she's like, they didn't tell me what to do here. I'm in a fucking jazz club. Like, right. I'm here. I'm here to distract you. I'm not here to tell you how to solve this mystery. And I thought this is great. Like, I think the actress's performance was really good. She sort of has gone from being like just incredibly charismatic and compelling to pretty flat in her delivery as they kind of ask her these questions. And there's like parts where they get sort of computer sounding response. Like, I don't have any information for you about that subject or, or whatever. She's also like physically acting, too far different than she was right. before like she's Much not stiffer. lithe and and fluid she's sort of like she's got her arms up on the table on the cocktail table to sort of uh stiff and robot like yeah so they uh they get in touch with the starbase finally which i feel like they should have done earlier like hey guys just so you know we're okay <laughs> uh we set the ship to self-destruct but uh it turns out that it's not as dire as that so we stopped the self-destruct but we do have one problem we don't know how to start up we don't know how to access this data that they've put on the ship. So uh, speaking of data, data talks them through getting on and uh, putting in a password. And they try a bunch of binary numbers, one of which the title of the episode winds up being the one that works. Data's help is like so quote unquote helpful. Like yeah. he's like, passwords are frequently people's birthdays or <laughs> the, name or the of names their of their wives. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't get why Riker and Picard don't roll their eyes at his responses. They're, they're very sincerely like, oh, oh, right. Like it's supposed to be something simple, something we could understand. Like, thanks, Data. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they realize they both have to be doing something at the same time to make this work because that's how the binars think. And... Um, how they think and work they're always they're always in pairs working in pairs talking in pairs right they figure it out eventually they reload all this data and and what what has happened is that the binars had to shut everything down because there was an emp coming from a supernova that went off near their home world and uh and it was gonna, you know, it was it was a choice between letting the computers be destroyed completely or turning them off uh, until the danger had passed and turning them back on again and hopefully finding a way to load the information back in. This, the Starship Enterprise is the only mobile computer big enough to serve this function. And so when they get get everything back up and running, the binaries sort of, sort of come, come back to life uh, off of the brink of death and Picard asks them why they didn't just ask for help and they say, you might have said no. Yeah, makes total sense. But I feel like the Federation would definitely have said yes. Like, they're not dicks. Yeah, you gotta know who you're asking a favor from. Especially if you work for them, you know? Like, these binars work at the Starbase. They know these people. Yeah, they're they're computer contractors. Right. Where does the Federation keep getting these contract laborers? Like, I want to know <laughs> more about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do, those, do they get health and uh, dental, or <laughs> what are the benefits like? So the episode is ending and, you know, the 
Starship Enterprise returns to the Starbase and everything is cool. I think the Binars are going to get subjected to some kind of military tribunal because they did, in fact, steal a starship. Um, But they are uh, prepared to face whatever punishment is appropriate. You know who else needs a court martial is Kinteros, yeah, the the uh, the leader of the starbase for letting another one get away. <laughs> you should have seen this coming. People are always trying to steal enterprises from your starbase. <laughs> but uh, Riker wanders down to the holodeck to uh, to hang hang with Minuet one more time, and uh, he uh, he walks in and she turns around and it's a different shittier looking woman and uh he's very disappointed <laughs> she's still a really hot lady but like <laughs> i think Riker probably took it out on her before returning to the bridge <laughs> there is a movement in time in between those two scenes and i mean you, you don't think Riker just left right no way that's not yeah. Riker's way exactly it's not his stilo he's gonna go number three in the holodeck and then he's gonna come back to the bridge <laughs> Well, that was that was like the big that was just the big crescendo. Like he like she whips around. It's not her. He yeah. goes back to the bridge and he is heartbroken. Like yeah. he's doing that. You know, normally you get the chest out Riker walk. Yeah, you know, this is the, mopey Riker. Yeah, he's like hangdog, just sort of leaning into his walk down to, back to the captain, and and, yeah. and he's like, she wasn't there. I tried all yeah. all the combinations, all the combinations I know, and I know a lot of them. Yeah. To that holodeck. Couldn't find her. Emo Riker. Yeah. Sad Riken. <laughs> Actually, that probably means something else to uh, to another group of people. Yeah. I thought that the scene where the Enterprise returns to the Starbase was great because they show all the senior staff in the control room watching the Enterprise come in, and they're, like, super excited, and it's really infectious. Like, it's a great... It's super well acted when all the people probably had to act against was just looking off into the nebulous depths of the television studio that they shot that scene in. But they all look like so like they have a a total emotional connection to the starship that they live on and it it's really effective I thought. It worked it worked all three times that they did it. Like yeah. they 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 do, did a great job with the reverence for the ship. Like when the ship pulls into dock Everyone turns around to see it. You get a sense of its scale again. You know, I think for in a lot of episodes, it's hard to really grasp how big the ship is. But yeah. when it pulls into the garage and, and everyone's around it, like the music swells, like the ship is back home. It's really it's really triumphant and cool. And you get yep. that same that same buzz when they've got to back it out for for its destruction. Like they pull the ship back out fly it away yeah. that's that's another heady scene and then when it comes back you get that scene that that you just described like you get you get a threefer there that i thought was effective every single time absolutely hey ben yeah adam do you have a drunk shimoda Incredible. Drunk shimoda. i do drunk shimoda of course is uh, the time in the show when we recognize an achievement in character development uh <laughs> while while the voice cracks <laughs> My drunk Shimoda is Data for one thing that Data does in this episode that I thought was so silly, which is when they have pretty much accepted the fact that the Enterprise has been hijacked, Data kind of 
needs to make the moment about him and he says i should not have been painting uh while while we had some time off and everybody's like no no data it's not your fault it's totally not your fault like people have time off it's normal and he's like i don't need time off i'm an android and it just it seemed like real self-pitying for a man that is supposed to not have any emotions so that's my drunk shimoda how about you I mean, you might think I'm going to give this one to Commander Riker, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> I am instead going to give it to Kinteros, the, uh, the leader of the Starbase. I think there is a, there's no better example of, of, a, of a person who may or may not be drunk than just losing control of your faculties. <laughs> your literal faculties in this case being the Starbase that you're in control of and yeah. having shit stolen out of it. Like, I think we're told that this is Starbase 74, but I think around the federation everyone's got to understand that this is the base that that the enterprise got stolen out of originally yeah it's got to be famous for that yeah it's it's got a bad name you got to lock <laughs> up those ships man dude and to dude. me yeah to me that is uh that's all on Conteros. yeah pull it together man i am locutus aboard you will respond to my questions i am locutus aboard you are so our next episode coming up is uh, episode 15, Too Short a Season. Uh, this is uh, an episode in which the Enterprise escorts an admiral to a planet to negotiate the release of hostages. But the planet's governor wants to kill the admiral in revenge for a previous hostage crisis that ended in tragedy. How much do you remember this episode, Adam? Uh, not... A single second. I really, <laughs> I really don't remember this one at all. And maybe it could be that you know, one one zero one zero one zero one zero one was was so was so great in my mind that it just sort of wiped out uh, a few of the episodes that came after. But yeah, this one doesn't register at all to me. Yeah, it would be nice if it could have wiped out that Waxana Troy episode that came ahead of it but <laughs> it's too bad our vetoes are wiped out because this might be a good one to skip over if if neither of us remember it do you remember it at all i do remember the admiral uh like de-aging like i think i kind of confused this with the one where they discover that there are like insects in the brains of the top brass at starfleet and they like mm. have an admiral on board that has like a weird bug in a briefcase um, I love that episode. I can't wait I can't, until we get to that one. I feel like those two, like anytime there's an ad, like, and, and the funny thing about the first season is that anytime there's an admiral, there's like a new costume for admiral. Like, it's like, it's like the fucking. It's always the dumpiest, uh, <laughs> dumpiest uniform too. I feel like they're really trying to embarrass these old people because they don't want to give them a tight uniform like the rest right. of the crew gets. Yeah. They're like, okay. Okay, a sixty-eight-year-old character actor. We're gonna, we're not gonna <laughs> cram you into this scuba gear. We're gonna, we're gonna give you something a little more flowing, and Absolutely. it actually works against them every time. It's, yeah, it's real bad. It's that classic mistake of putting on a huge hooded sweatshirt to cover up the fact that you have a huge gut. I think uh, that was the mistake that Wesley made early on too. Like he had yeah. those big Kooji sweaters, uh, and once he got into a tighter uniform, I think that's yeah. a better look. Yeah. Started rocking a little bit more nuck. <laughs> That's all you got to do. <laughs> they don't want any of that old man nuck, though. That's for sure. No, 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 you do not. 
Uh, well, uh, we don't have any vetoes, so we are definitely watching it. <laughs> yeah. Hooray! Uh, an episode that has been described as going for triumphant, but ended up being simply horrible and creates no impression whatsoever. Uh, no impression whatsoever is actually pretty in line with our memories of, of this one that we just talked about. So. Yeah, that, that jibes. Accurate. Very accurate. All right, well, uh, that'll be the next episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, I've had a fun time talking with you about uh, episode 14, Adam. Yeah, this was great. Um, I think when we first started this show, for me, it was all about, like, could we get this far? Yeah, can you talk about a good episode in a way that's as amusing as talking about a bad episode? Well, I think this has been an unqualified success in that regard. I will qualify it only insofar as we just wasted like 35 or 40 minutes talking about Star Trek. And you spent almost another hour in your parents-in-law's bedroom, so <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> They're going to have to do another load of laundry after this one. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I've been Ben Harrison. <laughs> I'm Adam Pranica. See you next time. Make, make, make it so. Make it so. Jean-Picard.